0: Hello, I'm Patricia, and this is the Poetry P podcast, somewhere where we poets can gather and just think about poetry, our writing, and how to be better poets generally, particularly in the Japanese-related short forms. Today's podcast is just that. Janice Doppler's zōka Podcasts will certainly give you a tool, maybe more than one tool, to add to your toolbox. Now if you haven't listened to episode 31 of this series, I think you should stop now and go back because this is the second part of a two-part podcast and you will definitely feel the benefit of listening to part one first. Before we head over to visit with Janice again, I have exciting news. I'm going to be doing merchandise. My thanks to Bona Santos who has kept my feet to the fire on this and next month, I'll be launching a few items, which I hope you'll love. Make sure you're on the mailing list so you get to hear about them first. To be honest, it's taken a lot of prevarication and testing the bits and pieces that I'm going to be selling. So I'm excited, trepidatious and dying to hear what you have to say. As always, give me feedback, good or bad. All feedback actually is good feedback. Righty-ho then, the main event, the continuation of our Zoka journey. Strap in, because we're off. So Janice, lovely to see you again. (laughs) Last time you gave us our first introduction to Zoka, and today I know you've more to tell us and more delightful haiku to read to us to inspire our writing not just for November's poetry P topic, but I think that, and maybe you'll agree, but I think that what you're telling us about Zoka will be useful for anything we write, not just for haiku. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's, absolutely. A, yeah, it's absolutely. I,
0: I think it's a really useful thing to have in our, our toolbox, as it were, so to in, enhance our writing when we need it. So Janice, over to
1: you for more Zoka. In part one. We learned what Zoka is, followed Basho following Zoka, and introduced ancient wisdom texts. I encourage you to go back to it for a review of that information. Today, we'll start with a few slides to remind you of what we learned in part one. Then look at how I describes the cosmos and hear stories from the Zhuangzi about how to cultivate awareness of zoka, there will be plenty of haiku too. If you've already watched or listened to part one, you'll be familiar with this quote as translated by David Barnhill. Here's how Stephen D. Carter translates the same quote. The waka of Saigo, the renga of Soji, the paintings of Seshu. The tea of Rikyu, there is one thread that runs through them all, for it is the essence of art to follow the way of creation, taking the four seasons as a companion. Follow the creative, get back to the creative. Basho said, follow the creative, get back to the creative. But what is the creative? Stephen D. Carter says, it's the dynamic spirit that informs the natural world and the workings of the cosmos. Like David Barnhill, the creative is Carter's translation for the Japanese concept, Zoka. The creative is one of many ways to translate this term that is absent from English. Let's remind ourselves of what Zoka is. It's the unpredictable creative force of nature, nature's tendency and ability to continuously self-transform, the perpetual emerging, transforming, and returning to the source of everything in the cosmos. And in case there's any doubt, what Soka is not, nature, as in a community of plants and animals, it's not something that directs nature, and it's not a spiritual deity translated as the creator. To wet your whistle, here are a couple of haiku from Poetry P. Sudden rain, the scent of meadow tea through the screen door. Sudden rain, the scent of meadow tea through the screen door. And that's by Joshua St. Clair. Twilight, a dahlia wilts into deeper shades. And that's by Sangeeta Kalarakal. Twilight, A dahlia wilts into deeper shades. In part one, we learned that zoka exists in many cultures. It's got the same characters, but in Japanese, it's called zoka. In Chinese, it's called zauhua. In Sanskrit, it's called pakriti. And in English, one of the translations is the creative. What I mentioned, but did not elaborate on in part one was a connection with India. The concept of Pakriti emerged in ancient Hindu texts. Kala Ramesh, a driving force of haiku in India, connects Zoka with Indian culture. In the preface to her collection, Beyond the Horizon Beyond, says Zoka, the creative force of nature, a Japanese concept used in haiku. In Sanskrit, we call this pakriti. Pakriti is described in the Bhagavad Gita as the primal motive force. Now that we have a sense of Zoka, we're going to jump to just two Chinese wisdom texts that you'll be familiar with from part one, the I Ching and the Zhuangzi. We'll take a look at how they might be useful to English language haiku poets writing today. Zoka in the I Ching is the flow of change in the cosmos via two energies. The impulse to create and drive transformation is a yang energy. The response to the creative impulse is a yin energy. Zoka is both energies simultaneously. The sages who compiled the I Ching developed a cosmology based on their intuitive understanding of what was observable in the flow of the mysterious workings of the cosmos. They described what they could see, the seasons, the sun and the moon. They could see that light and dark are the main movers of the cosmos. And for them, the sun represents light and the moon represents dark shifts between light and dark create the seasons here are a few possibilities for poets for investigating the shifts between dark and light their starter ideas the possibilities are limitless for shifts between light and dark you might investigate subtleties in shadows and or reflected light. Or how the dark side of a mountain differs from and is similar to the light side. You might look at changes associated with the coming and withdrawing of light or of dark. My exploration of I Ching from the viewpoints of several translations, revealed dynamics of the cosmos that poets can express in haiku. The flow of Zoka has different qualities in each season. Here's a summary. Spring has the quality of creation. It births strength. Summer is the quality of development. It expands strength. Autumn is fruition and it fulfills strength. Winter is consummation and strength is consolidated. Each season also has particular characteristics and poets can use them to communicate the power of Zoka as it drives transformation throughout this flow of seasons. Let's have a look at, at examples that show SOka for each season. We'll start with spring characteristics, initiation, sprouting, origination, first arising, the beginning of positive energy. Here's an example. The first spring haiku is by Vandana Parashar. Making up for the little space she takes, Robin's song. And that was in Heron's Nest. Robin singing near her nest is a common sight in spring. The strength of the song of this small bird signals the power of Zoka to initiate the movement of positive energy, making up for the little space she takes, Robin's song. Here's a spring haiku of mine and it was published in Presence. An egg mass in sunlit shallows, the tadpole wriggles free. The egg mass and tadpole wiggling free both communicate the initiation of the positive power of spring. The sunlit shallows show the sun driving transformation of both the egg mass and the tadpole. An egg mass in sunlit shallows, the tadpole wriggles free. Here are the characteristics of summer. Prosperity, growing, developing, all things developing and flourishing, expansion of positive energy. This summer haiku is by Kala Ramesh, and it was in her collection, Beyond the Horizon Beyond. Forest walk, a spider's shadow climbs a tree. We know it's summer because the spider's moving around outside. The prosperity of summer is evident on our forest walks, wildflowers in bloom, leaves fully grown, and the appearance of acorns that will mature later. Forest walk, a spider's shadow climbs a tree. This summer haiku is by Joe Balistrieri, and it was in Heron's Nest. Wild strawberries, the skim and dart of white butterflies. The flourishing summer is evident in the wild strawberries that can be picked and eaten as soon as they're discovered. We intuit the expansion of positive energy as butterflies dart from flower to flower to sip sweet nectar. Wild strawberries, the skim and dart of white butterflies. Characteristics of autumn, harmony, blooming, maturing, Goodness, benefits of positive energy. This fall haiku is another by Kala Ramesh. This one was published in Acorn. Who am I? A falling leaf gives the answer. The leaf has matured and completed its work. Does the leaf's answer answer? implies something about the mysteries of the cosmos? Who am I? A falling leaf gives the answer. Here's another fall haiku. This one by Carolyn Hall, and it was published in Heron's Nest. Indian summer, a maple leaf drawn back into the eddy. This haiku illustrates the harmony of autumn, not too hot, not too cold. The leaf being drawn back into the eddy communicates the benefit of positive energy. Indian summer, a maple leaf drawn back into the eddy. Characteristics of winter, quiescence, storing, declining, returning to the root, resting of positive energy. This winter haiku is by Hemapriya Chalapan, and it was published in Acorn. Train journey, moonlight settles on my lap. The clarity of the winter sky is my favorite time to see the moon. The long train journey at night has an air of mystery, just like the darkness of winter. Train journey, moonlight settles on my lap. This haiku is one of mine and it was published in Frog Pond. Frost crystals sparkle on fur, dead opossum. The decaying opossum is an example of the returning to the root that occurs in winter. The corn stubble that I saw surrounding the dead mammal symbolizes the resting of energy in the winter. Frost crystals sparkle on fur, dead opossum. Even though the concept is absent from English, Zoka exists, so those of us new to the concept may unintentionally communicate Zoka in our haiku. Now that we know of it, cultivating our awareness of Zoka can deepen our connection. The Zhuangzi has possibilities for how. Zhuangzi was a Taoist philosopher. The Zhuangzi is a book. The book is a compilation of stories written in prose. And it, the stories illustrate how to cultivate the ability of the, to follow the flow of the cosmos. When Chinese culture seeped into Japan during the Tang Dynasty, Taoist meditation practices and those of Chan Buddhism mixed with Japanese sensibilities to form Zen meditation. Zhuangzi urged the importance of meditation as a practice for cultivating oneself. Chinese and Japanese scholars considered writing, painting and other arts to be meditative practices. Cultivating awareness of zoka through a haiku practice can be a meditative practice. Let me explain the relevance of Zhuangzi with a little story from my youth. When I was four years old, someone said, spring is just around the corner. So I went around the corner searching for it. Obviously spring is not something that can be looked for and found. When spring arrives, it's everywhere. And everyone breathes it, feels it, smells it, and sees its beauty. Just as we cannot go around the corner to find spring, we cannot set out with intention to find Zoka. Zhuangzi suggests that what we can do is gaze outward to cultivate awareness of the flow of Zoka all around us. The macrocosm described in I Ching points the way. The Zhuangzi contains stories of people who cultivated their internal awareness via meditation and other ways. As poets, we gaze inward at the creative energy within ourselves, then use it to transform our experiences, into words. Here's a story of one unusual cultivation method. It's about a prince asking a butcher how often he sharpened his cleaver. Here's how Victor Mayer translates the butcher's explanation for why his cleaver hasn't needed sharpening for many years. The butcher said, when I first began to cut oxen, What I saw was nothing but the whole oxen. After three years, I no longer saw the whole oxen. Today, I meet the ox with my spirit rather than looking at it with my eyes. I never encounter the slightest obstacle. The point for haiku is that when we first learn of Zoka, it might be difficult to know how to start. But over time, it's possible to cultivate and deepen awareness of Zoka. Here's another cultivation method that's quite unusual. A man skilled at catching cicadas with a pole spent months learning to balance two two balls atop one another on a pole. He added a third ball, eventually a fourth. When he was able to balance a stack of five balls on a pole, he could easily capture cicadas. The point for haiku is that the more you practice noticing the rhythm and flow of the cosmos, the more you will be open and the more you will notice and the more it will influence your haiku. We've already seen that Zoka has two energies, the impulse to create and transform, that's a yang energy, and a response to the creative impulse, which is a yin energy. We're all microcosms of Zoka. Its energies flow through us and manifest in our poetry. Within each poet is an impulse to write that parallels Zoka's impulse to create and transform. In each of us, the impulse to write parallels the Yang impulse to create and transform in the cosmos. In each of us, the response to the impulse that we have to write is similar to the impulse in the cosmos of response to the creative impulse. Each haiku you write brings something from nothing via creative power of Zoka that permeates you along with everything else in the universe. It's time to turn our attention to Poetry P's November prompt, Zoka, but I have one last Zoka story for you. A fish trap is for catching fish. Once you've caught the fish, you can forget about the trap. A rabbit snare is for catching rabbits. Once you've caught the rabbit, you can forget about the snare. Words are for catching ideas. Once you've caught the idea, you can forget about the words. You've heard a lot of words today. Ponder the words until you've caught the ideas, then forget about them but remember that you are a microcosm of the Zoka with all of its creative impulses flowing within you. Cultivate your awareness of the energies as you gaze outward and inward. Let the energies move you to catch ideas that you will share through your haiku. Since Zoka the creative energies of the cosmos. Nobody can tell you what Zoka haiku are or how to write it. Writing for the November prompt is about how you experience your world rather than using Zoka as a device for writing haiku. I hope that considering the characteristics and dynamics implied in I Ching is of used to you as you write from within your awareness of Zoka. Pondering the sample haiku in this talk can help. Guidance for writing the Zoka prompt is that you don't have to work at following Zoka because you already live within Zoka and it flows within you. What you can do is become increasingly open to noticing the flow. Use your intuition. Go into natural places with the intent to be open to inspiration rather than having the intent to write haiku. Go frequently to a place you want to know. Spend time. Don't just show up, look around, and leave. Loiter. Let the place seep into you. Experience what is there. Allow whatever comes to come. Pay attention and jot down what you notice and what moves you. My personal ideal for waiting for inspiration is a woodland path on Cape Cod in Massachusetts where chickadees, tufted titmice, and nuthatches will actually take seed from your hand if you stand with your palm outstretched. You can't make them come. You have to be still and wait. More often than not, birds will land. In moments when I experience this, everything falls away. The bird on my open palm and I are all that exist. In my haiku practice, Achieving this idea rarely happens. However, it is something to which I aspire. The guidance I've offered you for this prompt is what I seek to cultivate in my own practice. I hope that some of what I've said today can be helpful for yours.
0: Janice, thank you very much for your two presentations it's clear to me as someone with not a great deal of patience that I I might just have to settle down and calm down in order to feel the, the Zoka flowing through me. And since last week, since we've been discussing Zoka and what it means, I've been trying to let that process flow through me either by sitting quietly in the garden or heading off into the woods on my bike and just settling my brain, which was often is just sparking a million sparks a minute. And I I think you've you said, I should be concentrating on, what was it? The little bits of change that eventually yield to a transformation. And I've, I've tried to do that. And some of our, our listeners, some of you, may be thinking this is very complicated and very hard to understand on an intellectual level. But I think you used a word just recently, you you said, uh, use your intuition. So don't get scared off by this intellectually, just calm down, silence your thoughts. And as you said, go out somewhere that you love and just let it all seep into you and let see what comes. And, And Janice, since we started discussing Zoka, things are coming. I'm, I'm gradually getting there. <laughs> So thank you very much for that.
1: Can I, can I add something, which is mm-hmm. as, as, as I was listening to you just now, I thought of that, about that little um, snail that all it did was it just put out its stalk. And that snail is actually a perfect role model for us as, as we learn to follow Zoka and to be aware of Zoka, and we cultivate that. Because the, the snail, it would slide along a little slime trail, but it puts up its stalk and pays attention to what's there. And that's exactly it's exactly what I'm trying to learn to do and what, what I'm hoping other people do.
0: That's that's a, a great, a great analogy. I think we, we met that haiku in the first presentation, Chuck Brickley's, yes? Um,
1: right, right. So
0: people can go back to the show notes maybe for number one and have a, a look through that and use the snail as a, a role model <laughs> brilliant thinking well done janice. <laughs> now um i did mention again in, in part one that you if people want to follow this up obviously they can read our show notes for both sets of slides for this uh and and listen to the, the podcast as many times as they want but um you also have an essay in frog pond in issue 46 one. and i just wondered janice uh, is there a follow up to that essay?
1: Yes, there. There will be a follow up um, that will also be in Frog Pond, and it will be in the winter, uh, winter twenty o four or twenty twenty four Frog Pond. And already on the, the the Haiku Society of America website is the first essay that was written and um the second one will be available there for members for people for poets who aren't members of hsa anybody can go there and read them
0: great well what i'll do then is i'll hunt down the link and i'll put that in the show notes too so everyone's got access to it that'll that'll be great now janice you're coming back in december because that's when we're going to be having the podcast (laughs) which will highlight the results of of our labors here and you're going to be one of the judging panels so i thank you very much for that are you looking forward to seeing what comes of this presentation? Oh, yeah,
1: that will be really fun. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to it. That feels like a long time ago or a, uh, a long time to wait.
0: It is a long time to wait, but we'll, we'll get there. We've got a lot of haiku to yeah. write in the meantime yeah. as well. So Janice, thank you once again for coming along and doing this for us. And I look forward to seeing you back here with a panel of judges in December. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Janice bye-bye thank you janice i hope you've all enjoyed this double presentation on zoka as janice says when it comes to your submission trust your intuition develop haiku that show us your understanding of zoka you are a microcosm of zoka be patient notice the flow And if you're stuck, maybe you can return to the starter ideas that Janice gave you in the podcast. Either way, I look forward to reading your submissions in November, as does Janice. And you still have a few days to get your split sequences to me. If you've submitted, I will get back to you by the end of October. If you haven't heard by the 25th of October, email me because things do get lost in the ether. And, of course, in October, there's a video prompt on our Poetry P YouTube channel for you to submit to. It's a real cutie. And who knows, if you're on the mailing list, there might just be other opportunities. If you're listening at whatever time, sign up. There are bits and bobs that only poets on the mailing list will get to know. So next time on the podcast, we're doing something a little bit different. We're celebrating the writing success of one of our own. Do come along and celebrate with us. Until then, keep writing. And now everything you need will be in the show notes, either for this episode or the previous one. But if there's something missing, do let me know. Ciao.